Hello, welcome to Another Finger. This is a podcast about exploring the mental and physical benefits of living mindfully. I just returned home from a vacation with a fairly large group of people, most of whom I had met before, but didn't know well. The plan was to fly into Montreal from Salt Lake City where we'd meet up with some friends from Vermont who'd drive north to meet us across the border. We'd stay in Montreal together for a couple days, after which we'd drive down to Vermont and stay there for a few days at our friend's home, then drive to Boston and stay there for the last few days, then catch a flight home from there. I had never been to any of these places, nor was I very familiar with them, but I did have one request, that we visit Walden Pond, which is just east of Boston. More on that in a future episode. This was not a trip I had planned, nor did I choose who to join on this journey, and I didn't do any research into the places we were going, and just left that up to the three planners. Sometimes I like to be surprised. I went into it totally blind and decided that I was going to be open to whoever and whatever happened. I was prepared to go with the flow. Vacations are interesting things. They are like little life microcosms. In most instances, we attempt to vacate our regular lives, jobs, and responsibilities. Yet we find pretty quickly that we cannot escape ourselves. Sometimes in an attempt to be free of stress for a short time, we end up creating a lot more of it through our planning and expectations. We make a plan and we want to stick to it. A lot of the time we go into them having certain expectations of people, locations, experiences, and accommodations. In my case on this trip, much like the beginning of life, I didn't choose where I was going or who I was going with. As I was invited on this trip, it was a bit easier to sit back and enjoy the ride. I decided that I would use this vacation to practice mindfulness, to be present, and to be okay with what is in every moment. I was invited by my girlfriend, my life partner, if you will, of nearly eight years. I'll call her Jay. I'm not generally a person who does well in large, mixed groups of unknown people. I have the few people in my life whom I love and trust and enjoy spending time with, and I usually stick to them. When I am asked to share a vacation with five to seven other people who I hardly know or don't know at all, to an unknown place to boot, anxiety is my default emotion. These were Jay's people, not mine. Their locations, not mine. Yet for some reason when this invitation came to me, I just said yes. I didn't have to think about it, or ensure that I had my way. I kept waiting for the anxiety and panic to arise, but it never did. Even when we woke at 4 a.m. the morning of our departure, I remained calm and interested. There is little question in my mind why this was the case. These are the day-to-day benefits of mindfulness practice. This is how I was able to change my habitual reactions and thought patterns. Over the last several years, I have had a greater ability to deal with challenging situations with calmness, compassion, and ease.
just as an athlete practices to train their body and mind to react in certain ways to certain situations, that is what I have been doing through meditation and mindfulness. The athlete practices to the point that the actions and reactions become automatic. Because a split second can be the difference between winning and losing, there is no time to think and make decisions. This is much like it is for us in daily life. If we act in habitual ways that are not skillful, we could lose. I can't tell you how many times in my life I have reacted in a mean-spirited and automatically vengeful or angry way only to make a situation worse. Sometimes without even knowing the full extent of the given situation. I'm sure I have lost friends, trust, and goodwill over this. Though I am still prone to human emotions and reactions, I have found that my daily meditation practice has spilled over into my daily life so that these unskillful events occur much less frequently. The person I took on this vacation was not the same me of a few years ago. I left that version of me behind gradually over the last few years of mindfulness practice. The past me would have thought and said this, J. Vacations are important to me, and I have limited vacation time available, so I'd rather do something, just the two of us. Feel free to go without me. That version of me would have missed out entirely on this incredible trip. In nine days, we explored the city life of Montreal, the rolling forested hills and swimming holes and ponds of the northeast kingdom of Vermont, We drove through the rain-soaked white mountains in New Hampshire, swam in the ocean on the coast of Maine, dipped our hands into Walden Pond, walked the grounds of Harvard University and the American Revolution in Boston, and made a quick trek out to the Gateway Arch on the Mississippi River during an extended layover in St. Louis, Missouri. I believe that I was really able to enjoy this trip to the exact extent of my openness to it. We didn't stick to the initial plan exactly. We just let it shift and take us wherever it would. An incredible feat with such a large group, but perhaps inevitable. I had gone into it blind, with the intention to be fully present and engaged in whatever we were doing that moment. Over the past few years, I was able to train my way out of my old cynical habitual thought pattern simply through mindfulness practice like the athlete who trains the body and mind to achieve a desired outcome, I have begun to train my mind to be present, to be open, and have shed many of my unskillful habits. I have begun to let go. This takes me to a realization which coalesced on the final day of the trip as I finished the book I'd been reading. This passage from the book captures it pretty well. Quote, Consider the lessons. Intellectually, the answers have always been there. But this need to actualize by experience, to make the subconscious imprint permanent by emotionalizing and practicing the concept, is the key. Memorizing in Sunday school is not good enough. Lip service without the behavior has no value. It is easy to read about or to talk about love and charity, and faith, 
But to do it, to feel it, almost requires an altered state of consciousness. Not the transient state induced by drugs, alcohol, or unexpected emotion. The permanent state is reached by knowledge and understanding. It is sustained by physical behavior, by act and deed, by practice. It is taking something nearly mystical and transforming it to everyday familiarity by practice, making it a habit. End quote. In other words, understanding a concept such as mindfulness is not enough. Having knowledge is not enough. We can read thousands of books or listen to dozens of podcasts on how to be a better person or how to be more patient or more aware or how to be more forgiving, but this will not do us any good if we do not practice these things. We have to do them in order for them to become a permanent part of our lives. We have to practice patience, not simply understand the concept intellectually. This is not scholastic learning. You don't get a quiz at the end of the day asking you to write a paragraph on your understanding of compassion. The test is everyday life. We must embody these ideas and we achieve that through doing just like the athlete. You don't become a better athlete by watching film or critiquing other athletes or listening to the all-time greats. You have to practice. You have to do it. This is how the mind and body become aligned, through doing. It then becomes automatic. Learning is not enough. We must apply what we learn to make a difference, and it really works. Give it a try. In the last podcast, I mentioned that I may bring up things from time to time, such as films I've watched or books I've read or music I'm listening to, etc. Just things that have caught my attention that I think are worth sharing. So I have a few things to share here. Since the last episode, I've revisited the audiobook of The Moral Landscape by Sam Harris which I find enlightening and inspiring each time I've read or listened to it. I also listened to Karma, A Yogi's Guide to Crafting Your Destiny by Sadhguru, which discusses karma in ways we rarely hear. It gave me a greater understanding about the role our actions play in our lives and the lives of others. On a recommendation from a co-worker, I also read a book which I quoted above, written by Brian L. Weiss, M.D., titled Many Lives, Many Masters, which is full of great spiritual insights from the perspective of a successful and prominent psychiatrist. It might make you question all that you think you know. I loved it. I found a used copy online for under $5. So that's about it. Thanks to those of you who reached out with your support since the last episode. It really gives me encouragement to continue. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I'll be updating the website soon to include a few new features once I figure out how to best present them. Feel free to join me there at anotherfinger.com where each episode can be listened to or read. Thanks again for listening. And please share if you find this useful. 
Until next time, enjoy.